Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build with us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we are diving back into a bloodless, dwarf-filled world with um, dinosaur, feathered dinosaur. Look, it's a whole thing, all right? It's, it's a spite prompt from one of our patrons, Johnny Law. Big thank you to Johnny Law. And as always, this is the second part of a two-parter. So if this is your first time listening, it might be a little confusing. You might want to go back to part one. But before we get into all that, of course... We want to remind everyone that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click a link, follow some instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we're over on YouTube now, where you can subscribe, click bells, like buttons, and other things to help uh, feed our robot masters. You can also follow us on Twitter at Let's World Build. You can also come and join our Discord and talk to us more directly with the link for that in the description. And if you, like Johnny Law, are feeling particularly generous or just want access to our sweet, sweet patron-only goodies like Too Hot for Broadcast, The Aphid Lounge, or our patron-only Discord channel, then you can go ahead and join our Patreon where you can get access to all that sweet stuff. For just five bucks, you get so much value for just five dollars, especially if you like our voices and content. And with all that out the way, let's dive right back into it. Now, the last we left off, we had to reconcile our twist and our twist came directly from the mouth of Courtney Staples. And that (laughs) twist was Killian Murphy. So considering that it came directly from Courtney, we're going to start Daniel off. Daniel, how did you reconcile Killian Murphy? So why I in terms of what I was thinking, um, Killian Murphy, I don't I don't know a lot of his films besides like the big ones, but the one I love the most, of course, is the zombie film. Mm-hmm. And also I was watching Star Trek Strange Horizons recently, or not Strange New Worlds, I think it is, yes. Um, which made me think of this twist. And I because I know there's dinosaurs mentioned in this prompt, right? Yeah. yeah, feathered dinosaurs. Yeah. So in that case, I would like the my twist is that the dinosaurs um have some kind of ancient infection from the mushroom overlords and therefore are zombies. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I like that a lot, actually. Me too. Yeah. It uh it works well with my faction, which we aren't gonna get into yet. No. But kind of same, actually a mm. little same. I'm I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that after we reconcile the Killian yeah. Murphy twist, of course. So Courtney, we've mm-hmm. got some 28 dinosaurs later uh what is your reconciliation with killian murphy yeah so uh last time i had brought up the movie sunshine which mm-hmm. killian murphy is in uh because it very directly relates to our idea that the core of this earth needs to be restarted using mm-hmm. the combustion that's pretty much forbidden in this hollow portion of the sure. earth uh and i wanted to go deeper into that movie uh where a ship is sent to the sun to boost it because it's dying and the earth is freezing over uh, so spoilers here. If you want to watch this movie unspoiled, please skip ahead a little bit. But uh, the ship that's been sent out featuring Killian Murphy hears a distress signal from the previous failed mission to do the same thing years before. And they uh, go and investigate the older ship. And long story short, it turns out that the captain of the ship had more or less succumbed to space madness by way oh. of staring at the sun and thinking it was speaking to him or something. And he somehow is still alive because somehow and uh he goes on a murderous rampage through killian murphy's ship and it's just not really uh a good way to end what could have been a really cool ensemble sci-fi movie but Uh but i do think something similar could work in the setting like like Mm -hmm. a lone explorer or a team from the surface that's been stranded down here for years and has managed to survive but like they're no longer all there Uh, mentally like they've lost their minds a bit Mm -hmm. maybe they've even been exposed to the mushroom spores in a way that like partially attacks them to the hive mind so there's almost like this schizophrenia-esque sense of hearing voices and seeing things that aren't there and they don't have a way of understanding or communicating Mm -hmm. back Um, and i think that would be an interesting encounter for our groups as they go through the underdark thing and uh, with mm. to the danger that our surface explorers might be in if they get exposed too much to these mushroom spores. 
that's really cool. Love that a lot. And I would like to make a tangent very briefly to make mm-hmm. it known that it is the official uh, opinion of the World Build With Us podcast that if the sun starts to talk to you, you shouldn't listen mm-hmm. to it. I just yeah. want, I want to make it clear yeah. that if if the sun starts talking to you, don't listen to it. Don't burn mm-hmm. your Kickstarter book like that one Kickstarter author did and don't murder your crew straight up. Just don't do that. So wait, what was the Kickstarter book? So there was a very successful like book Kickstarter that got mm-hmm. kickstarted and then um, they fulfilled the order. But rather than f- like actually ship it out, they took their entire like supply and burnt it because oh, the sun told them to. Yeah. Wait, have I heard about this one or is there another? It's very old. It's like, it might be like 10 plus years old at this point. I feel like I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, It's it's pretty, pretty sad. So, yes, like I said, don't listen to the sun. The sun Mm -hmm. is not your friend. It is a giant mass of incandescent gas. It is not there to love you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, anyway, we're we're quickly moving on. That's really cool. It actually kind of dovetails nicely with mine, my my reconciliation of the twist. Uh, I had briefly mentioned the movie Red Eye last time. Mm -hmm. And, who boy, that is a very forgettable post (laughs) 9-11 like thriller movie that takes place on an airplane. But in that movie, Killian Murphy plays a domestic terrorist who uh, effectively kidnaps or blackmails kind of both. Uh, the, the hotel manager because they're trying to get a political person moved to a specific area so they can blow him up with a big old javelin missile. Hmm. Uh, it's bad. It's not, it's not a good movie. Y'all. It's, it's very not good. Even Killian Murphy was like, Oh yeah. My co-star Rachel McAdams was great, but I, I didn't think I was very good. And frankly, it was kind of schlocky. Like, he's just straight up. Like he's like, yes. I didn't add very much nuance to that role. And I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. I appreciate wow. that. Uh, but yeah, so I was like, okay, let's add some domestic terrorism to this. Parti- By the way, Courtney, I just want to toss this out there. Mm-hmm. I love this twist. I love that Killian Murphy is a twist in general. So thank you for that. <laughs> this was very specifically your twist. And I very yep. much appreciate it. I think it's a lot yep. of fun. So, <laughs> all right. We've added in some elements here. We've got a domestic terrorist. And what that means, I feel like we, I mean, your character that you kind of brought up with Sunshine tends to, I, I feel like there's enough overlap there. We we can kind of overlap and make it the same thing, right? Where mm-hmm. it's not just space madness. It's also like uh, self-directed space. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So do you remember how last time we were talking about the hive mind and they would allow yep. like certain entities to disconnect from the hive mind to explore mm-hmm. and whatnot. Maybe this entity in your scenario, Courtney has been disconnected for too long and that's what's caused them to go slightly insane or slightly schizophrenic or at least adjacent to that and are starting to listen to, to the center of the earth as it were the, the core. Right. And maybe that's where it's coming in where, the isolation has driven them crazy and the isolation specifically from the hive mind has made them crazy. Oh, interesting. Like they, this person or group, like they were connected when they first got down there just from being cut off from the surface, breathing in the spores or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like over time they got shut down from that even. So like they, they've been totally on their own this entire time. Exactly. I yeah. see. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Because I would imagine, right, like when you're part of a hive mind and you grow up in a culture of hive mind and then you're disconnected from it, I would imagine that it, it is like deeply affecting, right? It, it is like going to fuck you up pretty bad to be separated from something that you've been connected to your entire life, right? Oh, to clarify, I was saying that like it was a group of explorers from the surface. Oh, from the, from down. Yes, I was about to ask, are these yeah, people like, on the outside, right? Unbeknownst yeah. to the uh, other surface people, mm-hmm. this group whether they like came down on purpose or just kind of fell down or something okay, um, and wound up down here. And that's when they got like spored over time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. So, so I still think that we can reconcile that, right? Oh, yeah. Because I still Absolutely. feel like there's enough overlap between those two stories that it fits well. Yeah. Or it could even be like my person or group is like not the villain, but maybe another entity from the mushroom group 
was cut mm-hmm. off on purpose because they were uh, not doing great things. And like they've sort of come over to try to lead my mm. person or group or like manipulating them, you know? Oh, so, so you're, you're suggesting that, you know, like they think that the sun is talking to them, but it's uh, actually a real like sentient creature, right? It is actually the, the hermit that I've kind of introduced with the Killian murder. Well, not hermit, but I guess like the kind of domestic terrorist that I've introduced. Yeah. I think that kind of makes sense yeah. because there's like an anger and a, like a spite towards their former community. And it's like, Hey, I just want to see them burn at this and perhaps literally in some sense. Right. Yeah. So we have someone disconnected from the like mushroom network that lives inside yeah. this world who has nefarious intentions. Mm-hmm. We have explorers from the surface who are in this uh, world now, the terrarium and, have been exposed to the mushroom stuff or perhaps um, fall under the influence of this disconnected person and have gone mad. Mm-hmm. And we have dinosaurs, mm-hmm. zombies that are affected by the mushrooms in general. Yeah. So yes. it makes me think perhaps, because um, we know that the the mushrooms proper, the ones that live at the center of this all, um, they're not the same as the people that inhabit the terrarium. Like they're like the progenitors sort of, right? And they Correct. we established in the last episode they weren't necessarily bad. They're just kind of like not, they're not friendly. So I wonder mm-hmm. then if this infection situation is the result of your disconnected hive mind person. Ooh. And perhaps they are mm-hmm. an ancient mushroom person in some way. And so you have three factions then. You have like the people who live there normally, which are still aliens, the outsiders. Mm-hmm. You have the ancient mushroom people, right, who are mm-hmm. probably like tribally protecting whatever's at the core of this, and this disconnected mushroom person who has their own agenda. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's kind of a fun thing to well, okay. I, I think the the tension that I'm seeing or potential problem that I'm seeing is, you know, the initial prompt said that the terrarium was like utopic in a sense that everyone had their needs taken care of, mm-hmm. right? Can we reconcile that with the current thing? Or do we want to say something like this group that has been disconnected is effectively like internal propaganda? Like it's it's they are paid actors to be like, hey, we need a villain. You're going to be the villain for a while. So we're going to separate you on purpose. Or do we want to reconcile it in some other way? I think that makes it too complicated like it would be mm-hmm. it makes more sense to me if this person was, was legitimate this creature is legitimately disconnected and their utopia is threatened by his existence i'm totally cool with that yeah, yeah that's I, I i like to ask clarifying questions because i feel like it can lead to interesting you know positions right yeah i feel like um because the prompt talks about like uh conflict still arises out of boredom and happenstance and like maybe your mushroom guy was just like bored and wanted to start shit for fun and that's why they eventually cut him off because it's like dude you're just like shit talking way too much we need to like put a stop Mm. to this you you gotta leave or maybe they started out being like i'm gonna go be a rebel and then like slowly they went from being like haha jk to like no i'm seriously going to like try and launch a javelin missile at this (laughs) senate this this mushroom senator like (laughs) like that that kind of thing yeah yeah i mean that that totally tracks with me i think that makes it uh, still fit very well i think all things Mm -hmm. considered yeah yeah cool uh I, i think now is a good time for us to transition over to our factions and daniel started us off so courtney i think it's only fair that Daniel continue to start us off. So Daniel, what was your faction for this particular one? Um, we haven't really talked about the outside world much in my head. Um, mm-hmm. I'm seeing a kind of normal, you know, 1940s sort of uh, mm-hmm. exploration world kind of situation, like a mm-hmm. Indiana Jones or a, um, I don't know, like uh, that sort of era. So, yeah. sir, sir, you're not going to sit there and not mention the 1999 classic starring Brandon Fraser, the mummy. I just refuse because that is absolutely that era as well. Sorry. I didn't mean to stop the podcast. Continue. Apologies. Either one. Either one. Um, so I'm thinking with the, I would like to introduce um, a sort of legendary expeditionary faction, but not that's owned by a particular government. I want it to be mm-hmm. something that's more of a league that has been around for centuries and centuries going back far in time. And it's kind of secretive and mm-hmm. they collect specific, um, you know, artifacts are really important things in history to protect like the world itself. Cool. 
kind of like in Indiana Jones at the end of, um, uh, oh God, what is it? I'm blanking on the first one. How can I blank on the first one? Uh, Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. There we go. Oh my God. Yeah. It's kind of like <laughs> at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark where you just like cut to the big warehouse and it pans yeah. out. And yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. But, it, but instead cool. of it being like government sponsored, they're a totally separate entity that's very right. secretive, but has a lot of power, you know? Right. They're, uh, they're kind of like a gentleman's club or, yeah. or actually perhaps something like uh, uh, an East Indian or a West Indian or East Indian, West Indian trading company. I think it's East India. Okay. Cause I know one of them is a financial scam and the other one are like terrible imperialists. So something, something going back to ancient times, perhaps it has some sort of, you know, religious significance or, um, you know, some sort of higher cause. Sure. Mm -hmm. operates in whatever current period has to operate in in order to continue mm -hmm. the work. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot, good. actually. That's cool. Um, do you picture this faction coming in after our detective group from last time to like hunt down whatever they're looking for, kind of? My thought is that they are the ones that sponsored that particular uh, trip. Mm, I okay. mean, whether it's known that they're doing it or whether um, it's unknown, it's, I don't, it doesn't matter to me, but they're behind the expedition into this terrarium because they seek out lost civilizations. Yeah, I could see them having like a very benevolent sort of outer appearance of like, mm -hmm. you know, we're collecting artifacts and learning about history and educating the world, <laughs> but the more negative stuff is kept uh, more closed off meanwhile at the british museum <laughs> exactly you <laughs> see them like um in the nolan batman the first one the was it the league of shadows like the is it racial ghouls racial um, ghoul baby yeah absolutely like they have a what they believe is a noble purpose and perhaps it is a necessary purpose but they're they're ruthless and and carrying it out mm -hmm. but outwardly very kindly though yeah also nice callback to another killian murphy film Oh, no, that's right. He's in there. I forgot. Yeah, yeah he's scarecrow. See, so <laughs> Daniel did Killian Murphy twice. He did. He went above and beyond. He did Impressive. extra credit. Yeah, yeah very accidentally. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yes, I, I do really like that idea that they um, kind of have this front of a very pleasant group, and yeah, they're actually a bunch of rich assholes. I love feigned benevolence. It's definitely one of my mm -hmm. favorite like villain traits personally. Well, no, I want to, I want to be clear though. Like I don't want them to actually be villains. Like the League of Shadows, they have, they, they, they're not good guys, at least in the Batman movie, but they also believe in what they're doing. So, I mean, I don't want them to this. I don't want it to be possible for the reader to say, oh yeah, they're absolutely evil. I want them to say like, wow, what they do may not be above board, but they have to do it. Like someone has to do this. That's what I, I want to make that distinction. Like I got they're you. not antagonists necessarily. Mm. They're just not, they're not like lawful good, you know, is what I mean. Mm. Mm. So yeah. they're more lawful neutral is what you're suggesting. Yeah, exactly. Like they, gotcha. they are not above doing some things that we would consider unethical because they think they have a higher calling. And at least from the perspective right. of the narrative, we can't necessarily say what they're doing is wrong. <laughs> well, mm. completely, mm. you know. Like maybe, maybe there is some threat that Terrarium poses or this thing they're searching for that could threaten the whole world. And so they're not above killing certain people or upsetting certain governments to do this because they think the whole world's at stake. Mm. From my point of view, the Jedi are evil. <laughs> 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 no, I, I think I, I think yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> or even think of like the Federation and Trek, right? Like oftentimes you yeah. might say, look, we can't interfere in this culture, even though all these people are going to die. Because mm. we have a larger rule that we have to follow. And like 99% of the time during the show, they break the rule. But that's the <laughs> idea, you know? Yeah. Except for all those war crimes that they do. You know? <laughs> you know, like, whatever. No, I could see them being involved in terms of, like, if we're going with that plot line of, like, restarting the core of the Earth or boosting the core of the Earth. Like, maybe mm. their point of view is, like, no, actually, we can't do that. Even though it's, like, well, we kind of need to in order for the Earth to survive. Mm. Otherwise, everybody's going to die at some point right. like it might be related to that yeah mm -hmm. would it make sense if um courtney's long lost person is part of that faction you think yeah because like this expedition got sent out sponsored by this kind of shadowy league of west indian trade company and like maybe maybe the initial thing was like yeah go explore but in reality they're trying to recover a lost asset 
And that asset just so happens to be the person who's been like lost next to the core of the earth. I, I do like that. And I think it could be like, like they aren't going to really tell anybody that they sent this failed mission out there and probably got people killed. Mm-hmm. So I could see it being like a very secretive thing. As mm. well. Ooh. Okay, we can also operate under the assumption that this this league that Daniel is kind of incorporating is just assuming that their agent is dead, right? So when they send them out, yeah. they're looking for an item. And so, like, I think that makes a lot of sense. And that could be like a nice little twist in and of itself that it's a person who's still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is coming together. We're pulling the threads and we got to pull one more. So, Courtney, what is your faction that you're introducing here? So last time, I felt like those feathered dinos from the prompts didn't get enough love. Oh, uh, yeah. Completely agreed. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to have a faction of dinosaur-riding earth dwarves slash mushrooms uh, who have tamed <laughs> their dinos by way of those mushroom spores. Mm, and that gives them, like, a mental connection to the dinosaurs. So it's almost like a, a druid or ranger kind of animal companion link. Or perhaps like an avatar situation. Like dwarf Chris Pratt's riding raptors is what you're saying? Oh, that too. Yeah. We, we Look, there's so many things that we can do here. Yeah. Wow. And to be clear, I did mean the bad avatar, by the way. Not the last airbender, but the um Oh, okay. The I was confused. Yeah. I, I was yeah. thinking the cartoon. That's, that's why I clarified. Yeah. Because I yeah. would normally bring up the good one. But no, I'm yeah. mentioning the bad one on purpose. Yeah. I gotcha. Yes. Yes. Yeah, similar, yeah. similar to that. You got to jack into your dyno, you know. <laughs> you plug in with a USB cable. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Something like that. And considering that they're mushroom people, I think that actually could make sense realistically, right? Like, yeah. you're like temporarily incorporating them into the hive mind, you know, just to make sure that you have that connection and control. Yeah, you could even have some sort of like gross looking connection using like a plant fiber type things or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. So what is what is the purpose of this particular faction, Courtney? Like, what role do they play in society? What are you thinking? Yeah, I wanted them to be, like, more on the outskirts. Like, they're not, like, the the knights of the realm, more so the explorers who go out and scout around and make sure mm-hmm. everything's taken care of, everything's well-connected. And they could definitely tie into, like, that detective group that we had last time. Like, maybe one of these guys is the first one who stumbles across that group coming down from the surface, something like that. So you're seeing them as kind of like a ranger or like a scout yeah. type situation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Like they go out to the edges of wherever and they can kind of communicate back to the mm-hmm. hive mm-hmm. mind through their own spores. Mm. Okay. And and obviously the dinosaurs are there to make it easier and faster and stuff like that. Right. Because they're, they're basically dwarves. So they can't. They got little legs. They got they yeah. got they got little legs, and They're everyone needs some help. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, God, I hate dwarves. I hate dwarves <laughs> so much. God, they're awful. <laughs> Spe- speaking of awful, so I'm gonna I'm gonna segue into my faction. Unless Daniel, you want to chime in about something about the faction as well? Do they? Um, does that mean that the rest of their civilization are dwarves? Um. Well, I mean. In the in the prompt, the first tenet was about um, mm-hmm. the protagonists of the world being a proud people, short yet stout, having <laughs> right. deep connection to the earth. Yes. Um, so it's so like dwarf. basically picturing dwarves. And like last time, one of my tenets had been about like since they don't have blood because of one of the other tenets, they have like evolved from the earth and from plants. Mm. It ended up being by way of the mushroom spores as the mm. progenitor race. So like mm-hmm. they're basically like dwarven in appearance but like made of rock or fibers and stuff other oh, beards their beads are like like i'm so glad that my head cannon overrides your facts because in my brain i'm like they don't look like dwarves at all they're mushroom people they're myconids like in my brain they look nothing like dwarves whatsoever well, so. The, so like progenitor race is definitely mushroom people yeah, they're definitely but, mushroom people. but the mm-hmm. overall civilization down there is mm-hmm. stone dwarves Except, except for my <laughs> faction, which uh, I'm going uh, to segue into, I was thinking about, okay, what can we do to make a race that is like bloodless and from the earth and, you know, like spore like, because when I think about it, right, we don't have to do something that has humanoid anatomy, right? Like the progenitor race are mushroom people, there's spores involved. 
Courtney had mentioned crystals last time. I'm like, oh, that's a cool idea. But I thought of something else because last time I was like, oh, I wanted to do like a priest class or people who were in charge of the dead in some way. And here's what I here's what I thought. Right. I want them to be made up of a ferrous magnetite, which is like magnetic sand effectively. Uh, so you have like black magnetic sand and what they do is that they actually, and Daniel, you actually saved me for this one. I was trying to think of like how I can add in some kind of like obvious necropotent or necromantic elements to this particular faction. And I was going to have it be like bones of some kind. And then you mentioned dinosaur bones. And I'm like, wait a minute. These are semi amorphous like black magnet sand people who use like the bones of dinosaurs incorrectly, by the way. So like when they use skulls as feet or hands or something like that, the bones don't make any sense, but they're there as like effectively a living testament to the dead. Right. And they, they're in charge of all the dead rights. They're in charge of all of the religious rights. And that's what I got. And I'm like, in my head, it looks really cool because we're dealing with magnetic sand that has like corpse bits in it. Right. Like I think that's pretty fucking cool personally. Do they, are they part of the regular dwarf civilization or are they part of the mushroom progenitors um, world? I can imagine them being in between where they might be seen, you know, like if the, the regular non progenitor race, they look at them and they're like, they're a little scary. Like they mm -hmm. might look at them and be like, oh, we're afraid of them. But in reality, they're just doing what they normally do, which is to take care of the dead as best as they can. Right. So I don't see them as progenitors. I don't see them as entirely a part of regular civilization. They're somewhat aloof and somewhat outside of that. They like liaisons between the two then. Oh, that, that would work as well. Like that would make them less scary overall. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, they're still still probably ominous if they're like showing up to deliver messages from more or less the gods or like yeah whisk off the dead or something you know what's mm. the word in um dwarves in the underdark are they called duergar uh, oh duergar yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or there's there's a couple of different ones depending on what you're you're looking for right you know gray ones the, yeah uh hold on have you have you guys heard of a show called centaur world <laughs> no I'm not surprised. Uh, okay, so fair enough, right? Like, I, I do not expect either of you to have watched that. But it has probably one of the coolest looking villains I have ever seen. And I'm going to share that image in the Discord right now. Also, the name is super cool. He's called the Nowhere King. And mm -hmm. he's just like this mass of like black tar with a fucking stag head. And it just looks cool. If anything, use the aesthetic of this thing. Now, what I want you to think of when we are thinking of the Nowhere King, instead of that being like tar, that's just black magnetic sand. And instead of like a stag's head, just dinosaur parts, throw in dinosaur <laughs> parts in there. And then there we go. That's that's more or less now what I'm thinking. So, yeah, when we look at them, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, they're horrifying. Yeah. But in reality, they are truly divine creatures or at least doing the will of the divine. I got to say, when you said centaur world, I was not picturing a cute, like, animated thing with a spooky villain creature. But I was more so picturing, like, a really shitty, like, 90s, early 2000s cable <laughs> TV show. Yeah. <laughs> See, when I think centaur world, I think of, like, a really poorly designed theme park from, like, the 80s <laughs> that's, like, hyper-specific and terrible. Like, it's, like, one guy made it, basically. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it, yeah, apparently it's, it's very good. I have not seen it except for the scenes with nowhere King in it. Kinda. I, I have little interest to see it as well, but still, I just think it's a fucking cool concept. That does look very cool. Yeah. It would be interesting if, um, the villain that that's disconnected is either commands some of these things or is one. I was thinking like the implications of, we have these zombie dinosaurs that may have been the results of this guy. Then like, what if, Rob's faction takes in bits of these zombie dinosaur bones and like somehow get linked to that villain guy. Yeah, I think they're connected. Like that, yeah. either that if if the villain is is in fact like a progenitor mushroom guy who's disconnected himself, 
or if he's like some evil dwarf who has found a way to take control of these things and use them for his own purposes. Either way, you've got like them linking together. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Like obviously not your entire faction, Rob, but I could see like gradually Mm -hmm. they start to succumb to that influence. Look, I'm actually... I'm cool with the idea that the infection, like if their job is to like kind of shepherd the dead or like mm-hmm. clear the, clear the skin off of and like kind of process the skin and meat of animals. I'm cool with them trying to do that to like an infected dinosaur. And then some of them getting infected as a result. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, the more I think about it, the more I think it makes more sense for the villain to not in fact be a progenitor mushroom, but in fact to be one of the, um, the regular people turned bad only because I think it preserves some of the mystery of the mushroom progenitors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it also like gives him a more human motivation. Like mm. if he was part of a community like these, because you said they're proud, probably communal, you know, dwarf people, right. That all live together. Yeah. Like if it was one who broke away from that and was disconnected and got resentful. Now you have this like evil kind of necromantic dwarf who's manipulating these sand cleric ghost thingies. Um, and has raised the army yeah. of copy dinosaurs. And that sounds pretty neat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Everything except the word dwarf was really cool about what you just said. So yeah. I, I, Whenever I hear dwarves, like I always say Klingons. So it's like, I'm picturing oh. small Klingons. Oh, if, you know? if that's what we're thinking, then yeah, I'm I'm down for Klingons. you know how Klingons have like the cool ridge thing? I always picture mm-hmm. dwarves as being like stout Klingons. <laughs> you know? So, so okay. This actually can work because right in my brain dwarves are always wearing like a helmet right like i've never thought of a dwarf without a helmet before and those helmets could be covering up the forehead ridges so maybe they're ridges you know like literally like they don't need helmets because their heads are helmet like you know? Oh, they're just like carapace. I mean, Klingons don't really need helmets. They can headbutt people and they're fine. You know? <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. It's not that they don't need helmets, it's that they think helmets are cowardly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like, why would I try and save myself from a good death, says the Klingon. Yeah, I should make you stronger, you know? <laughs> oh my fucking god okay you know what i'm starting to come around on dwarves and by dwarves i mean klingons i always like gimli from lord of the rings i just pictured him as a small klingon like he behaves the same so i just picture him as john reese davies so (laughs) you know I, I, i can't not oh man okay we're having fun. Look at us having fun with this prompt. And now we got a sweet, badass villain we got going on here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let's bring it on home with the main storyline quest, shall we? Yeah. Um, I mean, like we talked about before, last time we had that restarting the core of the earth thing. And uh, I feel like that could definitely still work. And we've got a million factions to work with now. Yeah, yeah, let's just abandon that entirely and focus yeah, on yeah. like a small okay. love story in a bakery. There we go. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's clearly, if that's the case, that's clearly the threat that the League is trying to avert. The bakery? They, yeah, I agree. Uh, <laughs> you know, they know the Earth core is dying for some reason. Yes, and they yeah. have to kickstart it. And now, obviously, if that's the case, I imagine it's dying has something to do with the rise of this infection. Ooh, oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Maybe, yeah, maybe this underdark area is like cooling off and mm-hmm. that's providing a better environment for these zombie spores to mm. propagate. Oh, that's really good. Like fire is the is the thing that cleanses this zombie. Yeah. And so the thing that they've been like worried about combustion is the way forward. That really, I think that really works because we were talking about heretical things last time, mm-hmm. right? So this this all kind of like comes together as something, ooh, ooh, this is coming together. This works for me, I think. Perhaps is there, because if, if maybe there's always been this thing, so is there like a sacred fire that the mushroom people maintain um, and it's the only fire that's allowed and that's what has kept this thing at bay for so long and you're saying it's dying mm-hmm. off. Oh, interesting. Like they have some sort of direct connection to the core of the earth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like yeah. only they are allowed to see it and interact with it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't know where the infection came from, but it seems like it's the thing darkening everything, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like the idea that 
there's been like a natural defense mechanism against it. Like, oh, if we're looking at this, like the world is an organism, then the the mushroom people are effectively the white blood cells. Yeah. And so now there's an infection in the world yeah. and we need to cause a fever in order to burn the infection away. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that. I was also thinking as far as like the origin of the zombification, disease, plague, whatever, like what if it's related to that original expedition down from the surface? Oh, oh yeah. The one where they're looking for the lost asset. Yeah, and like they ended up getting cut off and they're the ones that have, whether or not they're still survivors, but whoever's still there is like, mm-hmm. they've kind of gone mad because of their exposure to the spores and everything. I'm down. I like this. Yeah, yeah that would be interesting because then you would you would have um, a fragment of the legendary group that's gone crazy that's still there. Mm-hmm. And the new group that's part of the, the existing legendary group and there'd be a competition between the two of them, potentially. Um mm-hmm. I wonder, so like in the initial expedition where they fucked up, like, and you're suggesting that the infection originates there. Yeah, I don't know, like, what exactly would have done it, but like, whether it's something they brought down mm-hmm. or some way that they interacted with the world. Maybe something they opened up that they shouldn't have. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that is always a good one. I mean, I, I even alluded to it last time where, you know, they dug too greedily and too mm-hmm. deep. Yeah. And, you know, they unleashed this thing that was tossed in the center of the world. Mm-hmm. And oh, oh, yeah, maybe that's what happened is that it's like sealed in this kind of like onyx sarcophagus. And yeah. normally it's like kept so hot that you can't touch it. And mm-hmm. so because the core has been like cooling off, they're finally able to like pry this thing free and open it up. Whereas normally it's like too hot to handle, you know. Well, so then mm-hmm. I wonder, I wonder if, OK, so we have got this tomb that has this bad thing in it. Um, You've got the legendary group coming. I wonder if. The dwarf who was feeling resentful, who wanted to separate from society, maybe early in that time, he hadn't done it yet, but he wanted to have his own, their own kind of independence for whatever reason. And perhaps he allows the legendary explorers to come with him to find this thing. Yeah. yeah and yeah. and they open it so that he can get whatever powers in there. That corrupts the legendary explorers, and now they're beholden to him. That yeah. way, when the new explorers come, the actual protagonists... You know, you've got the initial bad guy who appears to be this this separated explorer group that's evil, but really they're working on behalf of this dwarf. I mm. like it. Also, did we just like partially recreate the mummy? <laughs> did we? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's the plot? <laughs> the magi, what are they called? The magi? What are they? Called? Oh my god! Oh, the uh, magi? Is that yeah. it's no. something similar? Weren't they good though? Yeah, no, that's were, what I'm saying. Is like, we're, it, yeah. we're basically like it, yeah. one step away from like we uh-huh. are literally the mummy at home. Is what but we, our guys are actually bad. like our driven mad guys are actually bad. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. We're not that's just protecting true, yeah. it. Like, there's yeah. no twist where where we yeah. reveal that they're good guys. It's like nah, they're, they're just bad. Evil. They're yeah, crazy. They're, yeah, they're just evil and crazy. <laughs> and I guess the secret kept by the explorer group is that they kind of contributed to the situation happening. Like if they had yeah. been around the dwarf and have never gotten access to this thing yeah i like that agree maybe maybe the explorer group having all this ancient knowledge they gave the dwarf the knowledge he needs to find the tomb and open it or whatever or it was like maybe it was um the dwarf like couldn't be exposed to that level of heat that was oh, holding that thing at bay whereas people yeah. could yeah um and maybe even like use fire to like open it in some way tools mm-hmm. their technology yeah. basically right yeah, yeah there you go yeah that totally works yeah. yeah so okay can we then figure out what the thing was because we keep saying like it's a thing what is mm-hmm. it and what have the the legendary explorers been hoarding because that that's the thing that we haven't talked about at all is that like you've said that they're very like jealously hoarding stuff from the beginning of time what is the stuff that they're hoarding, Daniel? What is it? I want to know. Um, I mean, I didn't say they were hoarding stuff. I think they were collecting things. And it might be that they're collecting things so other people don't fuck with them. So, like, let's say, for example, take something cliche like the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, right? Like, it has powers of God in it. Like, you don't want people, Nazis running around with it. So I imagine, you know, they collect artifacts like that so no one else can fuck with them. And perhaps this object needed to be collected because it poses a threat in some way. Mm. 
Oh, I see. And like, rather than just collect it and take it back to the surface, the people opened it down there and unleashed yes. it on the world. I gotcha. Oh, exactly. interesting. Yeah. So yeah. it's like a Pandora's oh. box behind, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So so does that mean then, if, if we really want to bring in Raiders of the Lost Ark, does that mean mm-hmm. then that the survivor is Indiana Jones and he's gone crazy from the influence of this <gasps> thing? Evil Indiana Jones? Yeah. yeah. I'm into that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's I've never had that. Yeah, and he's got like a mushroom growing out of his head or something. Yeah, that lets him communicate with the uh, no, that's why he always has the hat. That's why he never wants to get the hat because there's mushrooms underneath. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is like this is like a fucked up sequel to that movie uh, and it's like oh that's good oh fuck that's really good now, actually didn't we yeah. have some character that was from dwarf land that went to the world from the first episode and they came back yeah and, and oh yeah they were guiding the new expedition towards yeah. the, the new one yeah. yeah i think they have to be tied in because they'd rep- they'd be a character representing the regular dwarf culture and the dwarf yeah. right? the dinosaur people for the di- dinosaur riding dwarf people. They like, we need a connection there. So I mean, I don't know why they left, but they had to have left. And then they were the ones who helped the explorer group get back in, you know, like, and yeah. they must have knowledge of what's happening to their civilization. And it seems to this, I would also posit that this expedition probably was set up under false pretenses because the league doesn't want anyone to know that they're partly responsible for the situation. Yeah. Um, maybe it was one of my dinosaur riding dwarf people who came yes. and like basically saw what was yeah, happening i want to vomit when you say that I just <laughs> a dinosaur girl vomit. like a horse girl but dinosaur oh my god oh my god so yes this dashing dwarven scout lady uh arrives <laughs> on the surface with her feathered dinosaur because she's maybe they've like noticed this thing spreading down there and Nobody has any idea what it is. Maybe the mushroom people are like kind of closed off and not giving enough info about it. And mm-hmm. as like sort of a last resort, it's like, shit, we got to do whatever we can. So she ends up on the surface to try to look for help. She shaves her beard. <laughs> Put in. I'm sorry. I've completely checked out of this kind of, I, I, I can't anymore. Maybe, maybe, okay. Maybe the dwarves have different levels of hideousness. So like, for example, <laughs> You know, like some of those dwarf people are more like halflings and they're cute. Some of them are hardened and Klingon-like, right? So that way our little dwarf girl can be, you know, cute rather than disgusting. Well, she's also like made out of like crystal or like true rock or something. So but we that. could do one of those mid-journey things where she's like got <laughs> crystal embedded in her in, in an attractive way. She's, she's a hot <laughs> dwarven lady. Yeah. <laughs> she's a halfling-ish uh-huh. gnome. She's small and, and and what's the word life 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 but, life. but like her life. grandpa is basically a a Klingon, <laughs> but he's only four feet tall though, just to be clear, that works. There's like a whole diversity of of small people. All right, you guys can close out the show. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go think about my life choices a little bit. I love it because then she she's sneaking around. Where where are we going? What city in the modern world in the forties? Uh, where do you picture a league being from? Some metropolis. Yeah. I mean, do you want to go with London to stick with the British people taking Let's say London, over? right? So she's showing up. Yeah. Like, how is she going to disguise her dinosaur? Like, <laughs> it's a good, good fucking question. Is she treated like a horse? And... Or maybe it's like there's a, a fissure in the earth that the, um, the league has access to. Yeah. And that's where she ends up going through. And it like, maybe it's a, cavern underneath their headquarters even i i I like that i i do want hijinks though yes because i feel like okay maybe the fishers in like this wharf separate from their headquarters that's been like cordoned off so she's got to like escape from there because they see her emerge and they're like oh we got to quarantine this this dwarf because that's not supposed to happen but then she escapes into the streets of london with her dinosaur and she's got to hijinks her way to the headquarters to consult with the legendary leader types to convince them this is a problem, don't send me back. And so you have all these hijinks in the streets of London for maybe the opening sequence of the movie where mm-hmm. she's with her dinosaur and like, you know, the dinosaur is wearing like a trench coat at one point because <laughs> it's like a little raptor. It's not that big. She rides on it because she's small. Yeah. And she puts a hat on it. They're like on a subway or something. And they're like, what the hell is that? You know, that kind of stuff. Oh my God. 
And yeah. then there's like newspaper articles the next day about some yes. like escaped ostrich from the zoo. They're yes. like trying to brush it off or something yes. like that. Yes. It could be like a, you know, montage. The first 20 minutes. No, it's too long. First 10 minutes of the film <laughs> to get to that setup where she finally breaks into the office and they're like, holy crap, that's a dinosaur. And bam, premise of the, the show. I could also see it being like the people who are trying to capture her initially. They're part of the group, but she doesn't yes. realize that they're, they just want to like escort her over safely. Yes freaks out and gets scared and then runs and through runs. London. And so eventually, you know, when she she convinces and explains everything, that's when you get the Explorer group assembled. But mm-hmm. one of the Explorer group members is like this old bastard who knows the whole real scheme of things. He's really crotchety, but he's kind of like their leader-ish. You know, like the old guy who's like, he gives advice, but he's kind of dick. And, you know, he doesn't really tell them the truth until it's really they're in trouble and they're already in the terrarium and they realize the stakes. Maybe he gets killed and now it's up to the young upstart explorers and the gully dwarf girl and her dinosaur to solve the whole plot with the evil dwarf lord don't forget that we also have to have a columbo in there somewhere because that was oh. robbed from last time well, obviously he's columbo. the main detective the main leader guy in the in the group but he doesn't know what the old bastard's saying right okay he believes yeah. in the mission you know Okay, so he's like yeah. one step below the old bastard. Yes, in tra- I gotcha. Yeah, and yeah. he he believes in the current mission. He doesn't realize all the sins of the past. You know. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Perfect. It's pretty much the Mummy Four. <laughs> it's fantastic. Which is, I'm sure would be better than the Tom Cruise one. Absolutely. Yeah. Are yeah. we counting that? Okay, so it's the Mummy Three. We're gonna book well, Tom Cruise. No, because there were three Mummy oh, movies with Brendan Fraser. I never so saw four. that. Third four are yeah. going to subtract Tom Cruise from the universe. Yeah, that's fine. So mission accomplished. Did we leave anything out? I think we did it. Uh, yeah, I think I think we got every, did we did we get everything from the prompt itself? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, and you got options for defeating the bad guy, right? Like the, traditionally, you'd throw the evil gray Klingon dwarf that commands the necromantic sand dinosaurs down a hole or something and he'd yeah. explode, right? That's uh-huh. the easy way out. You could have a situation where you make him realize his humanity and his connections to the community. And obviously he can't be fully redeemed, but perhaps yeah. he's sacrificed or destroyed in some way that makes him recognize what he's done, which then heals the wound in the earth and reignites everything. It's got, it depends on where you want to go with it. Oh, maybe like the heat from the core turns yeah. those ones into glass because they're made of oh, sand. Yes. And they become like statues or something. Oh, or like, or they seal off the core with their own bodies, something like that. Yeah. yeah like it'd be really a really cinematic moment at the end, just like with the writers there are talking about the souls and stuff, but it's that mm-hmm. it's like glass dinosaurs, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> and then there's a zombie zombie dinosaurs i don't think they're much of a thing like they're they're there they're apparel right in the adventure i don't yeah. think they're like main villains though they're like encounters to kind of yeah. delay the group and also like a hint at what's to come they're like exactly. the first sign of like wait a second something's Stuff's not right up. with this world right. yeah and you have a rivalry oh okay what about this what about colombo guy right but maybe not colombo guy because he's too young i mean he's old but he's not as old as old bastard so mm-hmm. maybe maybe the old the uh, previous expedition guys who have been zombified by the dwarf mm-hmm. lord guy, like he had a beef with old bastard leader dude, and so that's where they, they have some rivalry throughout the adventure, you know, until was, he dies off. Was old bastard guy on the original oh, expedition, but escaped? Yes, he was. He fucked over his entire group to he himself. Did. He's guilty. Yep. So he has to die, giving the group a chance because that's his redemption arc yeah you know i see he he stays behind to let his group get ahead and then dies as a result interesting yeah or he just gets killed but they use that as a distraction to get away yes it depends on how much of a bastard you want to make him right yeah i feel like he's a pretty big bastard if he's, he's pretty big yeah he's pretty shitty i guess it could play either way though depending on the campaign or if you use this as a campaign and if yeah. you want it to be like super dark or if you want like more light Redemption type stuff. Rated R, rated PG, whatever you're looking for, yeah. you know. <laughs> no, that was easy. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, since Rob has abandoned the podcast in a fit of anti-Dwarven rage, um, again, thank you to our patron, Johnny Law, for submitting this uh, spiteful prompt. We really appreciate it. It was fun, even though somebody here doesn't like dwarves for some reason. 
I want to remind everybody that if you would like us to build your world, you can go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the send prompt link and follow the instructions. And within a somewhat reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on social media, we're over on Twitter at Let's World Build. But you can also chat with us more directly on our Discord server. And there's a link for that in the description. And we are also on YouTube as well. So feel free to stop by, give us a like, subscribe, follow, all that stuff. Comment if you'd like. That'd be pretty cool too. If you're feeling particularly generous and would like to support us monetarily, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash worldbuildwithus or follow the link in the episode description. And if you become a patron, you'll get early access to episodes, two hot for broadcast bonus clips, two episode world builds for your prompts instead of one parters, uh, and patron exclusive episodes on the aphid lounge. So if any of that sounds good, or if you'd like to just support us, give us a little tip for all the entertainment that we've provided over the years, uh, be sure to visit our Patreon. And of course, a huge thank you to our patrons for your ongoing support, including Johnny Law. And that will do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much and we'll get through this until next week. <laughs> <laughs>